You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selick. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. On today's episode, my guest is Roderick Benz. Roderick is the executive director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the University of Iowa Athletics. Roderick and I have together at times worked together to make a difference in the community. And we're gonna have a conversation on how we did that before and how we might do it in the future. That's right. I think in the sports world, you hear it all the time, right? You got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? You know, right. that's, that's why you got to wake up at six in the morning. You got to run when it's hot and you, you got to lift heavy weight, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, I tried to take that same premise to our athletic staff and student athletes. You know, when we're talking about racial conversations or racial inequalities, or you're talking about gender equity, uh, you know, some, some, some of those co- uh, conversations are uncomfortable. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. Well, good morning. Uh, this is Tom Sig with our next uh, My Best Friend podcast. Uh, today's a special day for me. Uh, Broderick Benz is here. Uh, Broderick truly was my best friend about five years ago when I first met him. When he, he helped me with uh, a project I was trying to support Alexander's school in Iowa City Elementary School. They had a lot of diversity. I met the staff out there, and they were just special people making a special effort. And... Um, I needed someone to help uh, help me and help them, and so I called up Roderick Bins, who I didn't know at all, never met him in my life. Someone said he was a nice guy and he might be willing to help. So I called him up and said, gee, Roderick, I got this idea about these fifth graders or sixth graders at Alexander Elementary, and if they work all school year, could you help me do something special with them? He said, well, I, I'd be willing to try that. So he said, why don't you stop over? So I did, and to make a long story short, he helped coordinate uh, – uh, an opportunity for those students to tour the football offices and Kinnick Stadium, and we got Chick-fil-A to donate free lunches, and the school district, you know, gave us buses, and it, uh, it was a meaningful experience, but it was a case where, you know, Roderick didn't know me. He didn't know why I was calling, uh, and when he heard what I wanted, what my sort of general idea was, he figured it out and did it. And uh, anyway, it, was, it really was special. So I've lost track of him some, but it's special. So, Roderick, uh, tell us... Um, your career has changed a little bit now. What, uh, what, what's your title now at, at Iowa and what's, what's going on? Uh, yes. Yeah, so my title is the Executive Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Athletics. Okay. And then just refresh my memory how you got to, you played football, but then you were a grad assistant in football yes. and how you got this job. Yep, exactly. So uh, from 07 to 2011, um, played defensive end um, for Iowa football. Um, after I had a very, very brief cup of coffee in the NFL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, um, I went back to my high school in St. Paul, Minnesota, Kareem Durham Hall, um, coached football, basketball, and track. Did that for, um, I think, a year and a half. Um, and then in 2014, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to come back and be a GA um, for Iowa football. Um, for 2014, 2015, 
Um, I think I was defensive line GA and also helped with special teams. Again, trying to sharpen my knives and um, in any area that I could. Um, my goal at, at that time was to become a college football coach, right? Um, and then as you get into it um, and you see the the time put into it and the amount of hours that you have to recruit, and I think at that time, you know, when I was being recruited, it was a monster in itself, right? Because I can remember being in high school, um, I was fortunate enough to have, I think, 13 to 14 scholarships, uh, full-ride scholarships to play D1 football across the country. Um, but my senior year, you know, I felt like every day I was getting bombarded with calls from coaches, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Like, I didn't like being recruited. I just wanted to be a kid. I wanted to go to the movies. I wanted to hang out with my girlfriend or hang out with my family. And these calls kept coming in. So I got to see that side of it. And then when you step into actually being in the program to where you have to send out mailers or you're actually these recruiting visits and, you know, the amount of hours and uh, work that goes into a recruiting visit weekend, I'm like, man, I I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life, right? But I did know I wanted to be a positive influence in the younger generation coming up, right? And so then that takes me to 2016, where we ultimately had the opportunity to meet, right? I was the director of player development. And so in that role, my job was just to help our freshman student athletes transition from high school to college, right? So, uh, you know, I was kind of uh, someone who was there to hold their hand through that first year transitioning. Uh, but then with our you know, the rest of our roster, um, I was there as a help meet for any situations that they had. So uh, making sure that they was always, um, you know, kept intact their amateur status, right? Because, you know, we have, we we are the only show in Iowa City. And so when it's signing autographs or when it, when it comes to doing these uh, student athlete appearances, making sure that they kept their amateur status, obviously making sure that they go to class, sign up for tutors, um, go to their tutors, their learning assistants, and things of that nature. And then on the back end, um, myself and uh, Ben Hansen um, from the leadership of Chick Ejiasi, who was in the role before me, uh, we created this uh, career networking night, right? And I, I think we all understand, and, you know, this is where we come in. Um, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? right? And so I, I think as, as guys, the goal for us was as, as the seniors and the juniors prepare for life after football, because as I just told you, Football is not for everyone, right? The NFL is not for everybody. Right. Uh, they at least had uh, a Rolodex of guys that they could call, some alumni that's been in their shoes before that they can call. So that was always the goal for doing that. So, again, you know, with the freshmen, you know, helping them out, transitioning into the campus community, um, and then obviously with our seniors and juniors leaving, um, that was our job there. Um, 2018. Um, I was on our diversity task force, right? And so uh, we, at that time, uh, interviewed um, our alumni, interviewed our coaches and our administration um, on these sensitive diversity topics, right? And so we did this big, um, I guess it'd be a climate survey, if you will. We got the report and um, some of the things, some of the themes that emerged from that report uh, was that a lot of our black student athletes uh, felt like their time at Iowa wasn't the best, right? And so I think immediately, because my time was, I, I, I really enjoyed my time as being a student athlete here. I loved it. Um, obviously, I'm raising my my family. I have two kids, um, you know, Brooklyn and Bo, and then my wife. 
Um, so I chose to come back to Iowa, and I and I and this is home to me. And so I wanted that for student athletes who ultimately transfer or who left or who didn't have the time. And so from that report came the opportunity to start researching the current job that I have now. Okay, and so um, I took it upon myself. You know, I asked. Liz Tovar, who's the head of our academic services and now the AVP of DEI on campus, um, and Gary Barter, if they, you know, would give me permission to call around to different universities and research this position and see how this position could help us at Iowa from an athletic department standpoint. Um, so took a year doing that, calling around, trying to build my network. 2019, um, I told Gary that, um, you know, I would love to be the interim guy, you know, for right now. Um, and by no means does this, you know, mean that whenever we make this job official that I uh, wanted to be given this position. Sure. So, no, you know, everything in my life I've earned up until this point, And I expect to do that as well to show you that I really am passionate about DEI stuff and helping our student athletes and helping our staff as well. Um, and so 2020 hits, right? And so um, I believe it was um, what May 25th, I think was the day yeah, that the, uh, George Floyd situation mm-hmm. happened, okay? Um, coincidentally, me and my family were just visiting our family in Minnesota, and we were actually around that neighborhood um, before we went, came back to Iowa. So you grew up in St. Paul, right? I grew up in St. Paul. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But we were in the Minneapolis area visiting some friends and um, kind of on that street. And so when I come back here, um, obviously it's on the news, right? See all Twitter's going crazy. The news outlets are just going crazy about what just took place. Um, and, you know, I believe that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Because there soon after we had the firestorm of black alumni kind of uh, talking about their time with Iowa football. Right. right? And how the racial allegations and just how, um, you know, some of the stories, again, vivid examples of things that happened to those student athletes that obviously just aren't okay. Okay, And so um, June 8th was the um, I think the meeting that kind of. helped the football program kind of start turning the wheels and changing their culture. But it was a very open form uh, meeting, um, very raw, very emotional. You know, guys got to speak f- freely and willingly. Um, and that was the piece that I think, um, you know, Gary kind of saw all the work that I've been doing since 2008 with the researching and then 2019 being an interim guy while still holding my player development position with the football program. Um, and, you know, he ultimately just said, you know, Broderick, you know, we I think it's best for us to, you know, kind of take the interim tag off, right, and then let's put you in this position and let's just let you go. Um, and so the first workshop um, that we had was on tough conversations. I mean, you were talking about this before everything got set up, but one of the goals of mine was to always normalize 
tough conversations or uncomfortable conversations, right? I think in the sports world, you hear it all the time, right? You got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? You know, right. That's, that's why you got to wake up at six in the morning. You got to run when it's hot and you, you got to lift heavy weight, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, I tried to take that same premise to our athletic staff and student athletes. You know, when we're talking about racial conversations or racial inequalities or you're talking about gender equity, uh, you know, some, some, some of those co- uh, conversations are uncomfortable. But we have to normalize those uncomfortable conversations. Um, and so that's, again, what I've been trying to do since I've had the job. Great. Well, that's a, a great story. And you've, I think you've made progress, right? I mean, things have uh, – football, I think, has modified their approach. And they no doubt. understand. I mean, obviously, no doubt. some mistakes were made. And they – I don't know if the word's insensitive. But, uh, yeah, it just uh, – Yeah. Yeah. It's um, – I am proud of uh, Coach Ferris, the staff, and the student athletes uh, for the work that they've they did and what they're continuing to do. Right. right? I think that's that's the important piece. Um, you know, I think we have this this moment in time right now where this topic is so sensitive, and people are listening. The people with power and privilege are listening, um, and I'm not so sure how long we would have the floor. So, I, again, I'm just proud of the football team. Again, yes, they won six, six games. They, they, they uh, won six games in a row at yeah. the end of the year. I would imagine um, we probably had a great chance at beating Michigan and probably winning our bowl game. So sure. we would have been you know, eight games in a row, great season, fantastic season. Um, but then ultimately just the, the, the way that guys came together within those walls, I think, speaks volumes to the leadership of Coach Ferentz and um, – you know, Coach Ferentz, again, had to take the approach to kind of take a step back and just listen and just learn. Sure. Right? And I think, you know, from that, I think he's learned so much over the past eight or nine months since all this stuff happened. Um, and I think he's definitely doing the work necessary to change the culture within the football program. Yeah, well, that's, that's a great story. It's, but your position covers all athletics, right? It does. All the sports. So it does, yeah. Your office is in the Jardine uh, Learning it Center, is, is yep. that right? Yep, it is in the uh, Jardine Athletic Learning Center. To me, it's more of a centralized location. Um, before COVID, obviously, student-athletes would come in and out the building at all points of time. And I thought it was important to be around our student-athletes because that's ultimately – who I want to positively um, affect in my job, in my role. I want to be a sounding board for them. Um, so once COVID is over or once we all feel comfortable to kind of open up that building um, again and, and student-athletes want to come in, and um, I think, you know, the role is definitely going to gonna take off more than it is right now. Oh, great. Well, let's go back to the beginning a little bit about uh, your background and growing up in St. Paul. I, I, I read that you were – you went to high school there, yep. and uh, you were an excellent student in high school, it sounds like. I'm always curious, why did you pick Iowa? Not, I'm, obviously, I'm yeah. an Iowa fan. No, for you're sure. You're in Minnesota. What, what prompted the Iowa decision? Yep, so um, I was on a visit to Minnesota, and they were actually playing Iowa, right? So a lot of my high school friends was like, oh, you know, Brad, you know, you know whoever wins this game, like, that's who you have to pick, right? So whoever <laughs> right. wins this game, like, that's who you have to pick. Um, and so it was 2006, and we're playing in Minnesota, and um, we lost the game, right? I think it was like Lawrence Maroney that had Marion Barber. Um, oh, yeah. They yeah. just ran all over us, <laughs> just, just, just like all over us, just ran all over us. 
Um, and at the time, there was a coaching change. It changed from Glenn Mason, the yep. longtime coach up there, sure. then to Tim Brewster. Okay, so again, Tim Brewster's excited, right? His first year, he gets a trophy, beats Iowa, um, which come to find out that in the locker room, Coach France was not happy. Like, Coach France was always even kill, uh, cool, calm, and collected, you know, at halftime, you know, but uh, apparently, like, he, he just was not happy about the performance of the team that day. And, you know, talking to Rafael Eubanks, who actually – when, who he, he was my high school teammate um, and then obviously college teammate as well. Just not happy, right? So uh, at the end of the game, um, we go up to the recruiting function, right? And I'm with my uncle because um, my parents couldn't take me. And so I'm, I'm waiting in line to shake Tim Brewster's hand and say, hey, congratulations, this is who I am. And so uh, I had a name tag on, right? So my name is Broderick, but people call me Broad for short. It's easier. And uh, Tim Brewster shakes my hand and says, hey, Brad, how you doing? <laughs> and so, again, like, I understand, like, it's a small thing for, yeah. you know, like, we all make mistakes, right? Yeah. But uh, to me, it was if I'm supposed to be your number one or number two recruit in this class, you should know everything about me, right? <laughs> you should know my name. Right. You should know my parents' name, my siblings' name. If I had a pet, you should know the pet's name. You should know my girlfriend's name. Like, you know, like, yeah. like you yeah. should do your homework, right? Yeah. Um, and so when I looked back at my uncle, my uncle said, yeah, grab your stuff. Like, we, like we're not coming to Minnesota because if he, if he's not going to get your right, your, your name right now as a recruit, just imagine when you're actually a player, like what he's going to do. I said, okay. So we grabbed our stuff and we left fast forward. Uh, I'm going to camps, uh, and I came to, to the Iowa camp. And, again, it was just like the red carpet was rolled out. Coach French and his staff did a phenomenal job. My parents felt at home here. I felt at home here. This was just a place that I felt like, yeah, I can definitely see myself, you know, being here. And then on top of it, when I came to the official visit here, um, 2006, um, we lost to Ohio State. It was like you know, the first night game, right? But um, Ohio State, or Troy Smith, they had Anthony Gonzalez. They had like <laughs> just, you know, Ted Ginn. I mean, just just, yeah. just a gauntlet of athletic star power, offense and defense-wise. And, um, yeah, Drew Tate didn't have a good game. Um, I know Scott Chandler, again, uh, defense just got shredded. Of course, it's Ohio State. But just the electricity in that building and Kinnick Stadium, I got nervous. I, I mean, I'm sitting in the stands. Yeah. I got nervous. Like, man, like, am I about to suit up and play? Um, and so I was like, I like, I, I want that feeling. Right. And so it was just like after that, I was like, yeah, like this is home. Like this is great, you know. And then a little joke, but um, I always tell people too that um, I don't like surprises. Okay. And so I felt like if I was going to Minnesota, my parents could surprise me whenever they wanted to come and see me because I lived 15 minutes down the road. Sure. But if I'm at Iowa, they got to drive four or five hours. They got to at least tell me that they're coming, right, because it would be a shame if I'm out with friends and they just surprise me and show up and I'm not there. So that's the other reason why I chose Iowa. It's <laughs> well, close enough. And, I have two you know, children. So. That was how they went to college outside of Iowa City. That was one of the things, I think. They wanted to be a little, you know. Just a little bit. A little further away. My son went to Luther, you know, two, two and a half oh, yeah. hours, yeah. you know. And yeah, yeah. My daughter went to Indiana, so. Okay, nice. Well, good. So tell me about, in high school, you were obviously a good student. You come to Iowa. 
Uh, growing up in St. Paul, was that a, a good a good situation? Did you have it was, yes. Um, my parents did a phenomenal job uh, with me and my siblings. I have two brothers and three sisters, um, so I kind of grew up in a big family. But mm-hmm. um, they they um, we grew up in the church. Um, my parents were pastors at the church that we went to, uh, so it seemed like four or five times a week we were in the church. Um, and um, until sports kind of got serious, um, you know, we kind of stopped going to church a little bit, but, uh, my parents always supported us and that, and that's big in my life. Right. So, sure. uh, my parents would, you know, if we had AAU tournaments, uh, they would drive us or, you know, one parent would go to, you know, stay back. And then, you know, the Aaron parent would always be there and support us. And so, um, that was the other big thing. Um, cause I had, um, an offer from Arizona state and I had an offer from Cal and uh, I knew those places weren't going to work because my parents uh, wouldn't be able to just drive up and come down for a weekend and then sure. make it back to work. You know what I'm saying? So um, that was the other reason selling factor of Iowa was that, you know, it was so close. But yeah. um, I appreciate, you know, how I grew up um, again, you know, going to. Um, Creighton Drum Hall, and and it's and it's kind of funny because a lot of people ask me now that I have this job now, this diversity job right now, you know, you know, Broderick, what what was you, what was your transition like as a freshman? Like, did you ever experience anything like racially, or like, did you have a hard time transitioning in? Um, and I always tell people I went to a Catholic high school, so in my in my class, um, I was one of I'll just say ten. In my graduating class, one of 10 minority students in my class. And so I've had the experience of being the only black person in my class. And I've had the experience of whenever I do share my opinion of feeling like I'm speaking for my race. Right. And and, and some of my feelings not being validated uh, again, um, you know, I had hair in high school, obviously. I'm bald now, <laughs> for those of you who don't know. Uh, but I can remember when I was a freshman of so many of my classmates wanting to touch my hair, right, because they'd never felt um, curly hair like I had. Sure. Ethnic hair. Um, and then I also remember my classmates wanting to stick pens and pencils into my afro to see if it would stick. Um, and, like, at the time, like, you know, you know, yeah, it's cool, like, whatever, like, it's great, ha, 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 like, funny, it sticks. Um, but, like, it's just like, yeah, like, that's not, that's not okay, right? Like, I'm sure not a pet, I'm not a dog, like, you know. Anyway, yeah. so when I got to Iowa, I was never worried about fitting in from a culture or diversity standpoint. Like, you know, again, I, I have four years in high school of practice being the only one in my class. So when I got here, I was, it was never about that. It was always about, am I big enough? Can I get fast enough? Can I get strong enough to play in the Big Ten to prove people wrong? So, yeah. Well, good. Uh, I, I did look up today I, to refresh my memory of the teams you're on. And we were talking earlier and we talked yeah. about the 2009 season, which yes. you were on that team. And I think you were a sophomore that year. Is that right? Yes. And that's the year that Iowa was uh, undefeated 9 0. Ricky Stansy was the quarterback, had yes. a great team. And then, um, uh, Stansy got hurt in the uh, Indiana game. Uh, Northwestern, Northwestern game. game. Northwestern game. Yeah. So what? Um, a lot of people, and I, I'm sure everyone realizes, but again, that season almost didn't happen because we almost lost to you and I. Oh yeah. Right. So was that the that field goals were blocked? That was the two field goals blocked. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yes. So, so that season almost didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I actually, again, not to toot my own horn, but I was a, the one to block the first field goal, right? That's and when so, I left. I thought oh, the game was over. <laughs> I, I left. It's never yeah. over until it hits all three zeros, <laughs> four zeros on the clock. Uh, but no, yeah. So that season, that season was great. Um, I mean, we learned so much about ourselves, especially early on. And, and, and even, you know, we had a, we almost lost the game to Arkansas State, um, Indiana, well, we were down 21, and Tyler Sash has that weird yes. um, catch interception. Yeah. And once he did that, then we start rolling. We scored 28 unanswered points, whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that my, my mom still remembers that year, just like the heart attack year. Just like every game, it was like, man, like you're giving us a heart attack. Stop doing it, guys. Just come out and play good football. But, I mean, that's why you play the game, right? On paper, we probably should have won a lot of those games by more points, but you got to come out. You got to play every yeah. down, every second, you know? Now, the one question I have is reading the brief, so I want to get bogged down on this, but uh, it said you intercepted the pass once, and then I read you ran back for a touchdown. Is that is that the story? Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> um, the defensive lineman, this is pretty impressive. No, yeah, no, no doubt. And uh, it, mine was not as impressive as Davion Nixon. This past year, Penn State, 71 yards. That, you know, so shout out to Davion. Again, that was fantastic. Uh, but we're playing Arizona. Now, this is 2010, playing Arizona, and Nick Foles is, is, is the quarterback. They actually had uh, Rob Gronkowski on the roster as well, but he was injured. So we're down there. It's a late kickoff. It is so hot. Like, I just remember being exhausted, like, after warm-ups. Like, it was just so hot down there, so hot and humid. But anyway, so – we're, we're doing things that's not um, characteristic of Iowa football. Like, you know, we always harp on, like, doing the little things right. Like, you know, if, if, if I'm a defense lineman, I got to be in my gap because if I'm not, then bad things happen, right? Um, and it was just like I, I believe we fumbled a punt. Uh, they hit a long play action on us, which, you know, with two veteran safeties as Tyler Sash and Brett Greenwood, like, never, never happened. But right. they hit a long bomb on us. I believe they had a kick return. It just it just was not going our way. Um, so anyway, so you know, at some point in the game, I can't remember which quarter, uh, Nick Foles throws a ball right over my head, and I was kind of known for batted balls. Right, I think in my career I had like twenty eight, twenty nine um, batted balls, mm -hmm. and although like to me, I think that's a good stat. Obviously, it doesn't equate to the NFL, right? They want interceptions or touchdowns or things, <laughs> tackles and sacks. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so that so that's my cool Iowa stat was that as a defense lineman, I had twenty eight batted balls, right? And so Nick Nick Folds throws the ball right over me, and I just put my hands up, and the ball stuck. Right? It's the only time <laughs> the ball stuck, and I said, "My gosh, here we go." And so then I'd take off, and I think it was only like 22 yards, 20 yards return. Um, but I, I remember uh, Adrian was on the other side, and he's running to the end zone with me, and, I, and I'm pointing at him. And um, I love my wife for this, but for our like first year anniversary, um, she actually framed that photo of me pointing, and Nick Foles is in the picture. So it kind of looks like I'm pointing at Nick Foles, like, ha-ha, <laughs> I got you. But I'm not. <laughs> I was never that type of guy to, to gloat like that. Um, but I'm pointing at Adrian, and so we get into the end zone, and my celebration was always modest. So I'm either like clapping for myself or like I like chest bumps. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I there's a picture of us, and I jump in the air, and I thought Adrian was gonna jump in the air with me, but he doesn't. So it's like I'm just like leaning on top of him, and then we all fall on the ground. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's happy. 
we get back to the sideline, and I said, Adrian, I thought you were going to jump. He goes, man, I'm so tired. Like, <laughs> right. I'm winded. <laughs> he goes, I ran so fast to come and, like, celebrate that I, like, I didn't have no energy left to, to jump and chest bump, man. I'm sorry. So, uh, good times. Good times. Obviously, you know, we yeah. lost the game, but uh, um, I'm happy to say that I picked off an NFL Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. So. Did you spike the football when you were across the goal line? Coach Franz probably would have sat me the rest of the game. <laughs> if I would have got a penalty for spiking the ball in that situation, Coach Franz probably wouldn't have been happy with me. So I did not do that. Okay. Well, great. Well, congratulations. Now tell me about your family. You're, you're, you're married. You have two children. Yep. So my wife, uh, yep. yep. So my wife, Kayla Ben. So we've been together since I was 19. So we're going on 12 years here. Um, we have two beautiful children. My daughter, Brooklyn, is going to be four uh, in April. My son, Bo, is going to be two at the end of this month. Oh, great. So they're probably pretty active already? They are. They're all pretty active. It's uh, no doubt. Raising kids is hard, but at this age, they're always on a go, and it's always something new. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, it is what it is. I love my kids, you know, and uh, it's great. And uh, what does your wife do? She works at Green State? Yeah, she actually, yeah. So she works at Green State, and I just saw her pull in when we first got started. So, yeah, so she works at Green State. She's a, a commercial loan advisor. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, she loves the company. Green State Company has been great to our family. Good. So many friendships, um, and uh, my wife loves it there. Well, great. Well, good. Now, uh, as far as hobbies, we talked about that briefly. You did say you bought a, you have a bike now. Do you, yes. do you ride have, quite a bit? I have two bikes. Two bikes. Yes, and my wife has a bike as well. Um, and so, um, you know, if you asked me when I was 19 if I would be a, a bike guy and, and thinking about doing rag rag, because I'm actually thinking about doing rag right now, um, I would say get out of here. Like never, you know, want, like go play basketball or go, you know, go do something, you know, outside active more than, you know, biking. But um, biking's fun. Yeah. I have a great time on my bike. And um if I'm riding with my wife, like that's great, great conversation. You get an hour ride in, 15 miles, like perfect. Uh, but I've, uh, you know, Kelvin Bell, football coach um, yeah. for for Iowa, and then Lavar Woods. Uh, I've gone on bike rides with those guys, and they are hardcore. And I'm not to that level yet, but they they have the shoes, like they got the the way expensive bikes, and oh, uh, yeah. you know, and and it's. And it's and it's great to ride with those guys to see where I you know how much work I still need to get. I'm I'm still competitive, right? So I don't like being left in the dust, right? So I'm just like, all right, I gotta find the right bike to get me to where I can ride with those guys. And um, the longest ride I took was uh, with Kelvin Bell uh, a couple of years ago, but we went to Hills, Iowa. Oh yeah. Um, and so you go Terry Chew Blood, right? And you yep. ride around the, the lake, and then you get on the side of the road, and you ride to Hills, Iowa. And instead of turning turning around at the stop sign, right, we took a right to go into Hills. Yep. And then we took another right to go back the old 218, like, highway or 218 sure. road. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, you know, I can turn around the stop sign and ride back, but that's fine. And then when we go into town, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, we're going to turn around and go back. And he's like, no, like, we're, like, we're going to complete this thing. We're going to do it. Um, and so probably one of the toughest rides that I've ever been on, but it was, it was so much fun and so much enjoyable. So I can't wait to get warm up, warm enough again for me to kind of go out there and, uh, hit some trails. So a lot of my friends are bikers. My son's a big biker, so I can 
Those people are dedicated. They are dedicated, no doubt. And it's, I mean, it's it's super expensive, but like you you uh, you get what you pay for, yeah. right? So you know, if if you if you're fortunate enough to buy a bike from Target, no doubt. Like if that's all you means, great. But if you can get one that's you know a thousand dollars or you know fifteen hundred dollars, like the yeah. bike's gonna take care of you. Yeah, no, I guess that's. I think my s- my son went biking in the Alps. I think his Oof. bike. His bike cost him ten thousand dollars. Oh. These bikes are, I, they're it's a little more expensive than cars, so yeah, they're they're pretty, they get pretty committed. You yeah, no you got to have the right bike. You know, if you're serious about it, yeah, no you sort of do it. Um, has he just quick question? Yeah. I guess has he done Ragbury or uh, no? He lives in Arizona. Lives in Arizona. He's, He's never, come, okay. never He's come back for Ragbury. Never well, come lot, back. A lot of my friends Ragbury. do it though. So. Yes. I, never, I, I rode two days once about died. I'm not really a biker. So I thought, this sounds like fun. And so I, these guys, they were like, come, Tom, join us. Well, we were together for about two miles. And yeah. They were, I mean, I was not in shape. I thought it was like, it's, it's a fun ride. They're, they went off. And I thought, went off, yeah. So I rode like 50 miles by myself. Oh, it was yeah, like see, 90 degrees. That was <laughs> the worst experience of my life. I mean, I don't, I'll never forget that. So, so uh, I, I think the, the path this year goes through Anamosa. Okay, and that's where my wife is from, oh. and so um, I'm I'm thinking how fun would it be to just do that leg, but then just stop at Animosa, have my wife there with the truck, and you know see her family and kind of sure. hang out, and then just drive home. So I think that I think that's my <laughs> my strategy. If if it actually is going through Animosa, I will okay. probably do that. Well, great. Uh, anything else I should, we should know about you here, as far as? Uh, being my friend and stuff. Uh, no, listen, uh, I just appreciate um, your willingness to just reach out, right? I mean, yeah. because that's all it was, was that you just sent an email and I responded and uh, here we are years later, you know, still. Um, and so I just appreciate that. Again, you know, I am um, love Iowa City. This is this is home to us. Um, and I uh, can't wait to see what the future holds. Oh, I appreciate, well, I appreciate your agreeing to do this, and I, I was nervous about trying to reach you, and I thought, well, maybe you won't remember me, mm. but just the fact we got earlier, we talked, I hope we can maybe, uh, you know, in the weeks ahead, get some people together who are friends of mine, and of you could talk to them and explain what you're doing and of how course. maybe we can help in the community. No doubt. I, I, I really would. Uh, no doubt. I, that's, that's one of my goals here. It'd be, it'd be fun to sort of, you know. Try to make a difference. We did it before. We do it again. Yeah. No doubt. We certainly did. And, and a piece of, of, of my job, again, is just trying to bridge the gap um, from athletics to the community. And I, I think doing things like this, um, having a relationship or building the network that me and you right. have now built, um, I think that's super important um, and in ways that we can give back to uh, the less fortunate populations within our city, I think, is is um, is huge. So yeah. again, I do think he's to be said before. Education is the key. I mean, yep. I think I I'm sensitive, but you know, we all can be better. And so, hearing those stories, uh, it's all learning experience. Right. Whenever I'm a little older than you, it it's never you're, you're never too old to learn. Never to too get old better. to learn. That's and, right. And, and try to get better. That's the key. So that's right. Well, this has been fun uh, with Roderick Benz. Um, my uh, my best friend of 2016, at least I can say that. And now he's uh, he, we, we've renewed our relationship. So thanks for uh, sharing this time with us. And we're looking forward to following your, your career and also the progress that Iowa Athletics has made. And and the, the future is bright, I think. So thanks I appreciate a lot. It. Thank you very much. Tom's new best friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.